future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, welcome to Live, Love, Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. We have three incredible women on today. They are all working in the arena of nonprofit and just making an incredible difference in the world. We're going to be talking with Elaine Leader, who is the founder of Teen Line, and her program director, Cheryl Eskin. And then later in the show, we have CNN hero Maria De Selva, who started the Jacaranda Foundation, and you're going to hear all about that. So you won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Right now, please give a warm welcome to Elaine and Cheryl. Hi, ladies. How are you today? Thanks. Good, good. Well, um, I am excited to talk about Teen Line because I think uh, what you're doing, gosh, for the past 30 years, right? 37. 37 (laughs) years have been saving lives and making such a difference. in the in your teen line uh, foundation uh, and and not only are you saving the lives of people calling in but I think it also changes the lives as we'll talk about with Cheryl on uh, the people that are volunteering and being a part of it the teens absolutely that are, yeah I see them as our future community leaders that's it and and you know but I want I think people will be interested to know who is Elaine leader and how did this all get started uh, so I know you started your life in England you were born there right I'm originally from London from London and I came to this country first when I was 11 11 okay Went back when, oh so 20 years ago <laughs> sort of. at least <laughs> Went back in the middle of World War II now, you said in the middle of World War II, you did move to the U.S., uh, and that was, was that to go to high school? I went to high school in New York. In New York. So I graduated um, at 15. So let me ask you this. How did you get to come here in the middle of that war? How did you get to come to the U.S.? And did you leave, <clears throat> did your family send you here because of what was going on there? I came with my mother. Wow. And my siblings, my mm-hmm. father was very understanding of what was going on politically. Mm-hmm. He sent us in April of 39. Wow, April of 1939. Okay. So war broke out in September, mm-hmm. and we stayed on. Mm-hmm. And, but he had a heart attack. Oh, my and gosh. When he was 42, so my mother decided wow. we should go back to England. Wow. But the only way you could go was through Portugal. So that was a whole other story. Right. And uh, I went back to England as a 16-year-old Bobby Soxer. (laughs) (laughs) So after high school, you returned to London. Yes. Yeah. And uh, But then then I came back to New York to visit my sister who married. So your sister married an American. Right. And then when you came back, is that when you met your husband? Yes. Who's an American. Yeah, and uh, he was uh, an opera singer, right? Passo profondo. <laughs> That's really cool. So, uh, but then you guys went back to England. We went back it's hard to, to follow England. this story. <laughs> so I've been back and forth, back yeah. and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I feel kind of yeah 
And you told me he was in the show called Paint Your Wagon, which is infamous, uh, in London. He yeah. was in Paint Your Wagon for two years. Yeah. And it was very successful. Yeah. So uh, now that you've been here for so many decades, do you ever miss London? I always miss London. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful place. Yeah, who, who wouldn't? It is a wonderful place. They don't have great food, though, do they? Yes, they I mean, do. Get real. <laughs> you told me when you came to the U.S., people ask you, do they have cornflakes there? Yeah, they did. <laughs> I thought I would have asked Cheerios. <laughs> you all always say Cheerio, right? Yes, we do. I would have asked Cheerios. Why did they ask cornflakes? I don't know. But you do have them there, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> I was going to actually bring you a, a, a package of cornflakes this morning. It was funny. <laughs> I, I was telling Jane McCord that. They were laughing. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I am so happy to have you on today because what, the work that you all are doing, and Cheryl, I know you're the uh, program director over at um, Teen Line, and you actually started with Teen Line at, uh, at 14, right? I did, yes. Yeah. I started as a listener my freshman year of high school, yeah. and then I stayed with Teen Line through my senior year of high school. Wow. So. And um, and so now you're the program director, so it, uh, obviously... She worked her way up. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Now, you say you're a listener, and people might not understand what that means, so... The, the way that it operates is that teens are able to call in and speak to teens, right? right. And in your work uh, in therapy with kids uh, at Cedars-Sinai for so many years, I take it you realize that teens would really benefit from talking to other teens. Well, I was the coordinator of adolescent group psychotherapy training and had an adolescent group. And I noticed in the group that they helped one another yeah. even more than we did as therapists. Right. And that was now, the beginning. You went to UCLA and got your master's and your PhD in this, right? And so you took all of that knowledge and all of that work in therapy at Cedars-Sinai with you to start this Teen Line Foundation. So... You really brought a lot of expertise to it to make it be able to work, I think. Well, I was yeah. at Cedars, and I was seeing patients there and running the adolescent program and thinking it would be a good idea to have something for teens. Right. That's when you got that epiphany to start teen Well, life. I had done some volunteer work on another counseling line for parents of infants and toddlers. So I went to the director, and I said... How would you like it if we had a hotline for teenagers? And he said, well, who's going to fund it? <laughs> oh. So I had to write a grant proposal. Right. And a private foundation founded it. Right. You were telling me that. So you actually wrote a, a grant proposal and got $49,000 to start right. Teen Line 37 years ago. That's right. I always say, you know, when you're doing what you're meant to be doing, somehow you get the funding and it all falls mm -hmm. into place, right? However, you have to take the actions, and that's what you did. You wrote the grant, or there would be no teen right. line, right? <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, and then wonderful people like uh, Cheryl came along and were volunteers. I know a lot of it's volunteer-based, uh, though it does cost money to run the operation, obviously. Um uh, but a lot of it is volunteer-based. So if people out there listening, they should know that 
you know, should this be something that speaks to their heart uh, and everybody should be doing something to give back, uh, that this would be a wonderful way to give back in uh, having their, even themselves or their children uh, participate in this program. Well, we've had a lot of teens wanting to do it. I bet. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yeah. we're very well down in the L.A. area, so... So how do you find your listeners and what does the listener do and what kind of training do they have? I would say they usually find us. We've been established for so many years that people in the community know of our program, know someone who's been through it or heard it before, maybe have called our hotline for help. And just to interject there, it's amazing to me how many people I encounter, I'll be like, oh, Teen Line, or oh, Elaine's going to be on. Or I had you at my conference on the Forever Young panel, that women in their 80s and 90s who are still rocking it. That would be mm-hmm. you, Elaine. And uh, I was surprised that a lot of people have not heard of it, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I think you can never have enough people talking about organizations like Teen Line, because not everybody knows and so I love to keep spreading the right, word. Right, definitely. Yeah. We definitely. do have a big outreach program into the schools particularly. Oh, that's great. That's great. So a teen uh, reaches out to you, says, I want to volunteer. What happens? Yeah, we have three. We generally run three training groups a year. So they go through an intensive application process, an interview, individual and group. And what and do you look for in a volunteer that would be the appropriate person? Um, it's complicated. I definitely someone who's responsible and mature for their age, has some empathy and some insight because we deal with on our hotline any subject you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Suicide and depression are our third and fourth most common call. Mm-hmm. We deal with child abuse, we deal with rape, sexual assault, anything you can like I said, you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So we need a teen who's able to handle that for mm-hmm. lack of a better word and yeah, mature enough heavy. to be able to ask for help when they need it, right. take in suggestions, and be able very to sit oft- with that emotion. Excuse me, Shima, but very often they're the kind of teen that other teens go mm-hmm. to in school uh, when they're having a problem. Oh, so the person that's the go-to person. Yes. Yeah. And so um, what do you do to train them to prepare for these kind of calls? Because it's something probably... You know, when they initially start, it's out of their sphere. Yeah. Right, definitely. So we yeah. do a 65-hour training program wow. that we're very strict on. They need to come to every training. They need to participate because, obviously, if you weren't there for the day, you trained on suicide, it'd be hard to take a suicide call. Sure. And then once they come, they actually love training. Training becomes mm-hmm. like group therapy in a lot of ways where they share things about their own lives they've never really shared or just get to know themselves and other mm-hmm. people in different ways. And it's probably the reason they're there because mm-hmm. I usually find people's calling has something to do with some obstacle they've had to overcome. A lot of them have had issues. Yeah. And then they feel drawn to do something to help those people in that arena that was something to do with what they had to overcome. Right, yeah. definitely. We yeah. see that a lot of people who've been through their own struggles and want to give back or want to be there like someone was there for them or because someone wasn't there for them, right. they want to be the person. So someone calls in and what is your response? Is it, they you start trying to delve into, you know, what the issue is, why they called in the first place? We call them listeners because they don't give advice. They oh, listen. Interesting. It's right. a way of listening. It's called active listening. I love that because I bet a lot of kids come from households where they don't feel heard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a big believer in everyone wants to be seen and heard. Right. 
Yeah, and that's they don't always have that in their family, especially mm-hmm. if it's a big family or, you know, they feel lost in the shuffle. They don't feel seen and heard. So this is a way for them to call an anonymous person that's relatively their age that they can talk to. Right. Yeah. And we also do email and text as well. So as you can imagine, as technology's evolved, we've evolved with technology. And so text is honestly our most common way that people reach us these days. Really? That's interesting. Which kind of speaks to teens. I mean, that's the way teens are communicating. We've all changed our culture Mm -hmm. so much, haven't we? I know in my and Elaine's lifetime, it has totally changed. I I didn't even have that. We didn't have texting. Right. Uh, But now it is very convenient and uh, it seems like especially the millennials and the teens right. uh, that is their main way of communicating mm-hmm. so you do have to i see change your system to align with that change right we we're the first hotline to have texting really Wow. It's been over, what, six years? About seven years at this seven point. Years? And we're actually launching an wow. app in the next couple of months to just oh, continue to meet great. teens where they are because that's the way they're communicating. Right. And so this app will be called Teen Line? It'll be called Teen Talk, actually. Teen so, Talk. So people will be able to download it through Apple? Yes. It's only Wonderful. going to be available for iPhones in current time, but hopefully it will expand in the future. But it'll be a way for people all over the world, honestly, to communicate with the wow, teammate. So with you'll be able to team. reach people in other countries. And yeah. We do already. Which we already do. Oh, yes. we already do. We already do. I was telling um, our oh. other guests, we had an email this week from Kenya. So oh people, it's amazing with the power of the internet and search engines that right. people can find us. And right. we do. We hear from the UK a lot, India. India. Um, and we've really found teen angst, is teen angst is teen angst no matter yeah. where you live. I mean, obviously different cultural societal norms, but a lot of the issues right. are the same. And the same, what you said, just wanting to be heard or What's have the number get one them. thing that people call in about? Relationships. Yeah relationships which has been that way for 37 years because everything is a relationship right right and so but number two is now anxiety oh that makes sense with what's going on in the world yeah yeah it's um that's why i do this show Mm -hmm. is because there's so much bad news out there in the world that i love to put the spotlight on people who are doing in the midst of all this you all are doing positive work. Thank you. And isn't Thank it nice you. to hear refreshing stories right. of people that are doing good in the world because mm-hmm. there are so many of them and our programming on television tends to not be telling these mm-hmm. stories very little. Maybe CBS Sunday morning or you know once in a while um uh, the gentleman I like on the nightly news, he'll close with the human interest story. Right. But 99% of it is bad news and somebody anxiety be, producing. Somebody being shot. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how wonderful. How wonderful. Um, what is your next step with Teen Line? Uh, well, I guess, well, you your next step is your finish. app, right? Yes, the app is our yeah. next step. One of the areas we've expanded in the past couple of years is we already do a lot of education to teens, mm-hmm. um, spreading our name, who we are, why they could reach out, talking about our most common calls, suicide prevention. But we expanded in the last couple of years to start educating parents as well, mm-hmm. realizing that a lot of times parents don't always know how to communicate best with their kids or how to connect. Or, or how you, serious right. it is. That you know, exactly I lost a I really say. dear friend of mine uh, about... Uh, a month or two ago mm, to suicide sorry. and I have to admit uh, I didn't realize how much they were suffering mm-hmm. Ugh, it's gonna make me cry to think oh, about yeah. this but uh, you know what are the signs that it's really serious I think that's important for us to get that information out there 
Definitely. I mean, the biggest signs are departure from what their baseline. Mm-hmm. So a departure from their baseline. So if they're normally doing certain things and then instance, all of a sudden they're give doing something. Let me give you an something. example. Okay. A teen who's, say, in 10th grade normally gets A's and B's and now is getting D's and F's. Right. Dropping grades. Yes. Somebody who's been outgoing becomes withdrawn. Gotcha. Somebody who has had a healthy appetite stops eating. Okay, so, so change a change in behavior. They had a healthy appetite. They've stopped eating. They've been outgoing. They start being withdrawn. Or what was the first one you said? Uh, grades. Right, they grades or A's and B's. Now they're and C's and D's. Very often if they've had a serious loss. A serious mm-hmm. loss. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. all been down that path. and. It makes things seem like so dark, but but with teens, their brains better. are not fully developed, so they can't see beyond the moment, right? Or the pain, right? 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 They can't think ahead, yeah. Right, and it's really wow. their first experience, like their first breakup or their first fight with a friend, really seems that catastrophic, right? Because they don't have the life experience to know they're going to have other breakups or have other friends, right? And we as adults often come in and say, "Oh, there's other fish in the sea," or "Oh, you're making too big a deal of it," right? And we really don't listen to their pain and we don't validate where they are sometimes, right? Or even just understand it, right? Very often, parents just want to fix the situation, make it better rather than just listening and hearing it through. Right. So in other words, a parent is trying to fix it mm-hmm. where all they need to really do is listen. I say listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen, listen. That's great advice. Tell me some success stories. Well, let me tell you about somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This young lady called in to the hotline when she was 16. Mm-hmm. And she was very depressed. She had a gun. She was going to kill herself. Oh, my God. She called a couple of times and hung up. She was scared. But then she let somebody listen to her story. She came from a Catholic family from South America. Mm -hmm. And she was gay. She was a lesbian. But she didn't know how to come out to the family. Right. She felt she'd be rejected. Right. That it was a sin. Yeah, that's often common with... uh, but gay, gay for the people. first time, yeah. somebody heard her. She was on the phone for nearly two hours. Wow. And she got home. She told her sister, who was younger, and was accepted. And that made her change and to begin to be more open about it and not to be suicidal. Right. But the wonderful part of this story is that the whole family has changed as a wow. result of this. This young woman is now a therapist herself. She's married to the love of her life, and she still keeps in touch. And And both her sisters went on to become listeners. Oh, my gosh, that's great. So just to recap that story, this young girl was gay, had a gun, was going to take her life. But by talking to someone at Teen Line for two hours and being listened to... It helped to start turning it around, and then she went home and told her sister, and that was accepted, and then eventually the, the family did accept, which doesn't always happen, but no, thank goodness in this case it did. And now she's with the love of her life, Yes. and she has two sisters that are, are listeners at Teen Line. Well, they wow. were, they're now 
graduated college too. Oh my God, but this that's is a great family story. Where they would never have gone to college, and they yeah. ended up all going to college. Elaine, what you've done is incredible, and and the work you're doing, Cheryl, Thank because you. you guys are saving lives, and you know it just. I love uh, telling these stories because uh, someone may hear their story in this and say, oh my gosh, that's me, that's my family. But if I hang in there, things will get better and you get through it and things change. And then look at her, she found the love of her life and now has the support of her family. Had she taken her life, she would have missed out on all that. Exactly. and I know you have hundreds of stories mm-hmm. like this, right? I love this story, though. Yes, That's yes, true. I love that story. And most too. of the time, this is a unique story because we do know the caller. Most of our calls are anonymous, so we don't. Oh, right. We so don't sometimes you don't know the outcome. Know what happens? Sometimes we'll get a thank you email or a thank oh. you call, but a lot of times we yeah. get off the phone. But just knowing yeah. that we were there for them in their moment of crisis. That's so um, we don't necessarily have the long story that Elaine has, yeah. but just having that thank you at the end of the call—you really listened to me, or you right. were really there—is amazing. Right. The other thing we do is we educate law enforcement. You educate law enforcement. Oh, wonderful. yes, so that they know how to intercede with suicidal teens and their families. How many calls a day do you all take? It varies. Uh-huh. In the past, last year we got about seventeen thousand um, <gasps> calls, texts, and emails over the course of the year. Wow, seventeen thousand. So, yes. So uh-huh. we're open every night. Have you six seen to 10. it uh, increase since? Uh, you know, the, the state of the world is in a, in a place that it is right now. I mean, has it increased in this last year? We've increased in the last year, um, mm-hmm. some because of some media publicity we got. Also, I just think things going on in the world and right. it being more acceptable to reach out, us also having different ways. Right. So we've definitely had and a, a lot spike. Of outreach. And a lot of outreach. We've definitely right. had a spike in the last year or two. In the last year or two. Well, I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> I know we're needing to wrap up and I want people to visit. It's teenline.org. Yes. Yes. Teenlineonline.org. Oh, it's called teenlineonline.org. Yes. Yes. Okay, I know we have it oh, up the on teenline the screen. Teenlineonline.org, I think, will get you there, too. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Uh, well, thank you, ladies, for the work that you're doing. It's amazing and uh, life-changing, obviously, to both the volunteers and the people calling in. And uh, just thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having thank us. You yeah. for having thank you. Us. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we need more people like you all in the world. <laughs> That's you. for sure. Everybody needs to be giving back and paying it forward. we need people like you that bring it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, we will be right back uh, with CNN hero Maria De Silva. Stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Love, Thrive show, where we bring you powerful and positive programming about women and those who support women's empowerment. It seems by sharing their stories and showing us their talent and potential, they remind us of our own. We ask you to join us weekly by taking a minute to subscribe to our 360 Karma YouTube channel so you get to see every episode of these uplifting and inspiring stories. We all need more of this, yes? And did you know we have the Live Love Thrive book on our 360 Karma website and on Amazon? If you enjoy reading books of incredible women who are doing amazing work in the world, you will want to pick up a copy. Also, when you join 360karma.com, you will enjoy our growing video content of expert advice and support and learn about our workshops. If you would like to align with a like-minded, purpose-driven community, you will feel at home at 360karma.com. We encourage and support you to live the life you love. 
And welcome back. We're with Marie De Silva, who's a CNN hero for starting her organization called the Jacaranda Foundation. Hi, Marie. How are you? I'm good. Good, I'm good Catherine. I'm wonderful. Um, I am so glad that uh, the mayor of West Hollywood, John Heilman, introduced us. And I understand he was on the board of your uh, Jacaranda Foundation, yes? Mm-hmm. He's still on the board. He's still on he's the board. He's not the president. Oh. He stepped down as president because right. I think he, he had so president. much of work. Yeah. But now he's the chairman of the board. Oh my gosh. Well, we have a great uh, story to hear from you about how this got started and what work Jacaranda's doing because it's amazing. Uh, it's no wonder that you were uh, voted a CNN hero. By the way, that happens to be one of my favorite shows oh. of all time. Thank you. I, I just love it. I wish there was more programming mm-hmm. out there that mm-hmm. told the stories of people like yourself that are mm-hmm. doing such incredible and positive work in the world because we don't hear enough of them. And yet there are so many people like yourself and Elaine and, and uh, Cheryl that were just on mm-hmm. that are doing incredible work in the world, positive things. And it's so refreshing, yeah. you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So. We're going to talk about how Jacaranda started and what you do, uh, but first your journey to here, and that is you you were born in Malawi. Malawi, yeah. yes. Was, isn't that where, um, isn't, uh, I, I know it's famous for... Uh, Madonna. No, oh, is it Madonna? She, she, she adopted her four Oh, it's children. Madonna, I'm thinking... She adopted uh, the four children from Malawi, yes. Yes, that's, yes, of mm-hmm. course. And that kind of put it on the radar of that's everyone, right? right? So right. you were born there, but you were fortunate enough that your mom sent you and your si- sisters, right? That's right. To England mm-hmm. to uh, for schooling. That's right. That yes. is like, uh, that must have been like, I know that was like a miracle, life changer in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And isn't it wonderful that your mom had the insight and the tenacity to uh, get you out of that situation um, and into something that really was so life-changing for you. And how did that happen? Because I know you said you didn't come from a wealthy family. So how did she get you into school in England? I'm so curious. My mom was a huge believer in education. Yes. And of course, for her daughters, we have six girls in my family and she's had so many grandchildren with daughters, but in the girls, she believed that as a woman, we needed to grow up with security. Yeah. And the only way we could have security is through education. Now, my mom uh, was married twice. She had her first husband, actually, and and he, he, he left and she raised her children by herself. Wow. And then came my dad, which, um, you know, again with that, she she just thought about these girls need education. She looked at herself. Yeah. And how she, she thought had that was the way out. Hard. Yes. And my mom, yeah. she did go to school. Yeah. She didn't. She just... Uh, learned by herself and from her experiences i always think that's the most selfless thing people can do is Mm. to give something to their children that they didn't have themselves that's right and the fact that she did this for her daughters Mm -hmm. was nothing short of a miracle because what mother really was putting the focus on the daughters Uh, everybody you know in that culture puts it on the sons that's right So you really were blessed to be born to her yes and she and she looked at herself and she thought well you know what maybe if I was educated I would not have been in this situation right 
And she always told us, she said, I know you're going to go out into the world and you're going to get married and you're going to have your husbands. But she said, always you have to look at yourself. What if your husband leaves? Right. Where are you going to be? Right. And it has happened. My that, sisters, my, right. some of my sisters have been divorced. I myself was first divorced. But when yeah. I, for my first marriage, I was able to stand up on my own because yeah. I felt uh, confident. I felt yeah. I'm educated and I can go out. And, and yeah. take care of myself. And that's right. what happened with my sisters too who've been divorced. They've been single parents but they own their own houses and they're right. working. Independent and women. Independent women. Yeah. And that well, when you educate women and you mm-hmm. uh, empower them like your mom did, that's the kind of women. Uh, you know, that's what we need to do with all women in all cultures. That's educate right. them that's right. and tell them they can do anything. Uh, So in England, uh, when you graduated, you um, were first in marine insurance? Yes, I went to England as uh, secretarial studies because my parents could not afford to pay for the courses I wanted to do, which Mm -hmm. were I wanted to be a designer, I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted actually to even be a politician. I want to study politics. Hey, it's never too late. We need more women politicians. (laughs) Well, they couldn't afford it. So I went in as a secretary for secretarial studies to Pittman's College. In, in London and I studied there I graduated and then I um, went to work uh, in a uh, uh, in marine insurance company actually it's an insurance company and during my work because at this point I had to work and study at the same time so whilst I was working I was an intern there at my job and then I started studying at the City of London Polytechnic and that's where I learned marine insurance uh, insuring it. barges and boats and and yeah. uh, within that time that's when I met my husband and we got married and came to uh, New York he was transferred to New York and from there we lived in Tokyo for a couple of years and wow. then we separated um, and what did he Tokyo. do to take you to New York and Tokyo and what was he doing because he was uh, he worked for first Boston the bank uh-huh. and he was in IT the first guys in IT in those days wow. that had a program that they had produced and and he was transferred from first Boston to Tokyo. Huh. And so I went there as a wife. Wow. But unfortunately, it didn't work out. So we okay. separated and eventually divorced. But uh, interesting that you got to go to these various cities. And mm-hmm. So this is what brought you to... So then you went back to New York when you got divorced. That's right. And uh, you were sharing with me that you became a nanny for mm. uh, Ricky Lake. Yes, yeah. well, I started working with other families. Uh-huh. And for about three and a half years, I worked with a family that had two adopted boys. Wonderful family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were old enough and uh, they didn't need a full-time uh, person there. So I got a job with Ricky Lake. Wow. And worked with her for 10 years. Oh, my gosh. We spent four years in New York, six years in L.A., and, and I um, love it's that she was the catalyst to bringing you to Los Angeles. That's right. Yeah. Yes, because she moved. She finished the show, the Rick Lake show, right. uh, completed it, and she moved to L.A. And she said, would you like to come with me? And I was very attached to the kids. Like when oh, being nice. a nanny, they become your kids. Cause I took and everybody wants to know, was she nice? Oh, she, she's lovely. She's my sister. She seems lovely. She's my sister. Yeah. The support. I started the school when I was working with Ricky. The money that I earned as a nanny from Ricky is what enabled me to take care of what was going on in Africa whilst I was So let's talk about that. So Mm -hmm. here you're in the U.S. You find out that 
AIDS is taking the lives of many of your relatives in Malawi. Yes. And you decide to start a foundation there and take a third of your salary and start this foundation Mm -hmm. to help um, school and uh, children, right, that were orphaned. That's right. Is that right? That's right. And um, that was in, you called your mom and said, uh, you know, can we open this in our childhood home, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And she was like, yes, she was on board, huh? That's right, because she believed in education. Right. How uh, wonderful that you, that's kind of a wonderful gift you gave your mom that she got to do that, right? That's right. And it's, you know, a a parent opening up a house. So my dad passes away. She's now living on her own. She doesn't have any, my dad didn't leave any insurance for her. And we were renting, she was renting this house. And the money that she was receiving from the rent is what she was taking care of herself. So right. when I heard about the school that was closing in the village, um, I said, Mom, why don't we open? And my niece and nephew were in that school too. And there were like 50 children orphaned by AIDS. And within this time is when my family was dying, was, was stricken by the AIDS pandemic. And I was uh, internally suffering from the fact that I'm here in America. I can't be there right. to be with my family who was sick and are dying. What can I do? So when I heard about the school. And you lost 15 Yeah, over relatives. 15 relatives and friends wow. and um, to, to, AIDS. to the AIDS pandemic. Right. And so you were thinking, what can I do to give back? That's right. And what, it was yeah. very, yeah, it was very painful because I couldn't be home to right. be with my sick family, to be right. with and, and and with my mother who was, she herself was stricken by this pandemic because it was her children and her uh, family that right. was perishing. But so then I, um, that's when I said, mom, why don't we open up the house and I will reimburse you for the rent that you're receiving from my childhood home where we were. And she said, yes. Now, when you think about it, a parent who's, livelihood uh, depends on this house this yes. money to say you can bring in 50 children wow i wasn't uh, well she's been reason, a saint from day one your mom i was obviously. thinking i i didn't have doubts i said mom i'll reimburse you for with the money that i'm earning as an annie so yeah. each and every month i sent back money home at the same time we brought in the children but we had to pay the teachers we, we had right. no desks right no blackboards right. we had to pay to get all of that no, we didn't. Oh, we you couldn't. Oh, the wall, oh, walls yeah, black. you told me that. They sat on the floors initially. Yeah. That's right. They were sitting on floors. Right. So 50 and, kids, they're orphans yes. to losing their parents to AIDS. Probably mm-hmm. some of these children had AIDS. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so you're educating them in your childhood home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was the beginnings of the Jacaranda Foundation. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Now, how did someone at CNN get wind of your story? Who submitted that? Do you do you know? Yes. So we were because the school started in two thousand and seven, uh, two thousand and two, and from this point on, we had now it's like two hundred and thirty that was studying in my bedroom, in the living room, in the dining so room. So it grew from fifty to two hundred and thirty oh by two thousand and seven. Wow. So a friend of mine uh, who moved from France. To actually from New York, because he was living in New York at the time, moved to Malawi and saw the work that I was doing. And he had helped me before that to open up a foundation here, uh, 501C, see if we could raise any money. And we tried, and it wasn't it's not It's not easy. There's so many nonprofits. Very, I know just here alone, we have like 40,000 in, in right. LA. It's so hard for nonprofits to make it. 
and it's so important that our listeners pick something that speaks to their heart and gives mm-hmm. back. If anybody is out there and they're not giving to some nonprofit or foundation, they're not meeting the reason they're here on this earth. That's right. Right? And so so how wonderful that you had someone help you start this and and then the, and a, then a friend they wrote to they wrote CNN. to CNN. He went there and he saw what was going on and Do you want to share his name? Luc Deschamps. Oh. Who is now my husband, by the way. No way! Yes. <laughs> oh my God, that is wonderful. We, got, we, we married um, four years ago. Oh my gosh, I After love knowing that. him for 19 years. Oh he was my, my friend. He was my friend oh, for 19 years. Oh, that's the best. I just got engaged <laughs> to my best friend oh, and nothing is better, you know. Yes. Yeah. So he wrote to CNN and said, you know, I know this nanny, yeah. friend of mine, and um, she's working there. and She sends a third of her salary every month. Wow. to the school that has 230 children and she provides education and nutrition and um, and uh, you know and that CNN out of I think thousands of people, thousands yeah they, they pick I think 10 or 12 that's right and they picked me out of the top 10 oh my CNN gosh, I think we have a picture of you with your <laughs> CNN hero, hero award yes. I in, mean in when you got that call mm-hmm I, I can't even imagine how thrilled you were. You must have just been over yes. the moon. And he didn't tell me. He didn't tell me he had written. I just oh. got a call. CNN, yes. Are you Marie De Silva? Yes. Have you heard of the program CNN Heroes? I said, yeah, I think so. Because I yeah. wasn't watching. I said, I think so. He says, well, we we would like to come in and do some filming of you. And they came to Malawi and filmed in Malawi. And they did their whole wow. profile check on me to make sure this was what was happening. Right. And then, voila, from that Went on, my life just kind of like changed. Changed because yeah. from the first profile that they aired on 14th of um, February, which is Valentine's Day, yeah. 2008, from that first profile yeah. to six months later, this was literally six months later, I built the secondary school. Wow. Because people came in and started donating, uh, were interested in the story. And now you have over 400 428 students. Wow. Students, all orphans. 98% of the How children wonderful. are orphaned by AIDS. And, number and, living. and you uh, feed them and educate them That's and right. clothe it's them. free and, education, yeah. nutrition, yeah. and medical health because we built a oh, clinic wonderful. on the premises. So we give wow. them two meals of porridge every day. Wow. And and also, too, the medication can now put the AIDS at rest, right? So That's even right. if they have it, they can survive it now, That's right? That's right. That's We've wonderful. been very lucky with the help of the USA, mm-hmm. PEPFAR. Yeah, you were telling me that something that uh, George Bush, uh, President right. Bush, actually passed was helpful to your exactly funding your uh, entity. That's right, yeah. because when my family was dying, we did not have free ARVs mm-hmm. in Malawi. We had to buy them. And in Malawi, a small country like us, we have to go. We had to go either to South Africa or pay a large amount of money in private hospitals. So right. a lot of people died. Right. At, at that time when CNN came, there were 10 people an hour dying of AIDS oh my in gosh. Malawi. We wow. did not have the medication. Oh, that's But horrific. with the help with, of President Bush bringing in PEPFAR and Clinton and Obama supporting this program, right. today... Everybody in the country has free ARVs. Right. And we're just fingers crossed that it will continue. Yes. 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 Now, once you became a CNN hero, 
you had an influx of funds that helped you to then do this full time. So That's now right. you go back and forth between the U.S. and Malawi, right? Yeah, I did. But you've told me, you know, it's an ongoing thing raising funds. Mm. Your website is jacarandafoundation.org. Jacarandafoundation.org is on the screen. Um, so people can donate uh, if this speaks to their heart and they want to help uh, help you raise that, that funding. That it, It's a continual process That's of right. trying to fund it. And I know the number of children grows every year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the thing is that um, then CNN comes a year and it goes. And of course, we have the new CNN heroes and life goes on and it's fantastic. But what happens is that then you have to go out on your own and keep that growing. So yes. what I, I quit my job. Yeah. A year later, um, from Ricky Lake, yeah. which uh, I miss them dearly. Yeah. But I had to because then I have the f- uh, full time. Then I have to work on the foundation full time. Mm-hmm. We don't have any big organization like UNICEF and all come and fund a small organization like right. mine. So my work is when I go, I travel twice a year, knocking on people's doors. Do you remember me? Yeah. Now we have four hundred twenty-eight. The school has grown, and when things grow, the more you. We need. Right. So we have sent over 75 kids to college. Kids are, it's t- right now we have 45 in college. We have a student who sat on the floor with no blackboards, who's now working at a bank in Malawi. We have students working for NGOs who have come from this small school that has right. grown. But what has helped us grow is, is that support that I've had from the public who have come in and... Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Had you never started this, all those children you just mentioned would have never seen college. Yes. It is life-changing. Mm. I mean, it, if you change one person's life, but you've changed so many. Yeah, and, you know, it's great because you just followed your heart. Here you had really a pretty fabulous, cushy job. Yes. You know, in the U.S. And, um, you know, I think it's just wonderful when people just, you know, step out of their comfort zone, start something you knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that some angel comes along and submits you for CNN Heroes. Mm. You know, it's just, you know, when you're doing what you're meant to be doing, it's so interesting how it falls into place. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I I say to people, (laughs) you don't have to be Bill Gates to make a difference. Exactly. You know, with, with very little, you can change people's lives. You know, and that's that's usually the stories that I hear on this, uh, these CNN Heroes stories. The amazing work that people are doing around the world, uh, it's not that they're millionaires and they have nothing Mm, else to do. It usually is people who, you know, are working people. Mm -hmm. They have very little, but they're willing to take a little bit, their time, their energy, and a little bit of money and uh, help change the lives of other people. Exactly. Like you said, even if you're changing one person's life, you're making a difference. And that's the way I looked at it. I looked at it when I started uh, Jacaranda. It's like, okay, we don't have desks, we don't have chairs, we don't have um, uh, blackboards, but the kids are in school. The kids are learning, even if they're learning to the A's and the B's, and if they're learning to count and to learn to read, they can do something in their lives. And I believed in that. And today, 
these are the kids that this year uh-huh. we had one of the highest pass rates in the schools in Malawi and one of our students passed so high that he's going to be taken into a medical school and he wants to be a surgeon oh now did I think of that yeah. a couple of years ago I did I, I knew that you saw whatever the vision, we could huh? do yes the vision yeah. and just had to hope and, and yeah. that we can if you're changing just one person you know it's so interesting people mm-hmm. will ask me how do I find my purpose in life how do mm-hmm. I tap into that and I think it's just uh, I was uh, had uh, this woman Tabby Biddle who is involved with something called take the lead on my work masterclass workshops the other day and she said this is how you figure out what you want to be doing what is it that you're really upset about and what is it that you want to who are the people that you want to help and change and there's a perfect example you found out Mm. what you were upset about what was going on in malawi and who were the people you wanted to help change the the children in malawi that's right and then you started your life's purpose Mm -hmm. by addressing those issues and i thought that was a fabulous way for people to tap into who they're meant to be helping and what they're meant to be doing on the planet you know, who do they want to help? Who are their people mm. that they're sent here to be giving their gifts to? You know? And, and you know, Catherine, um, I didn't know what my purpose in life was or it was right. going to be. Yeah. but You're going right, along, having a job, taking care of the kids. and But by giving, yeah, right. by giving, I found this purpose of life. Right. I, I can't say today it's so fulfilling, I have right? found my purpose in life. I mean, and then here yes. you are on uh, CNN, <laughs> you know, and you're thinking, wow, how did this happen, right? Know, yeah. Yeah, yes. it must have seemed surreal. It, it, yes, yeah. when you woke up, Kodak Theater, yeah. on the stage where the Oscars take place, and right. Catherine and uh, Cameron Diaz is presenting you with your award, and Anderson you're Cooper thinking, is how did this happen? You, <laughs> and I'm wearing an Amani dress, and yeah. it's like, wow. Yeah. Uh, this is a dream. I pinch yeah. myself and this yeah. is a dream. And then from that point on, everything changes. Life just changes. Yeah. From the struggles for, for between 2002 and 2007, me thinking, where am I going to get this month's money to pay? Because, right. of course, I earned money with Ricky. She paid me very well. She took right. very good care. But then as the school grew bigger, yeah. I thought, oh, my goodness. As there were times at the end of the month when I'd say to Ricky, can I have an advance? Yeah. And she would give me that advance. Oh, and today, you know something, Catherine? At my school, when the teachers come in and ask me for an advance, I, I give it to them. Right. On the 15th of every month, I give it to them because I know what that advance, when I didn't have any money yeah. to be able to pay and the expenses, I know what it did for me. Yeah. So now I try to Paying do it forward. It. Yes. But you know, uh, I heard Oprah the other day say, uh, you know, some people think she's lucky or fortunate. She said, but really, she said, everything happened to me because I really listened to what I was meant to be doing and I just did it. Yes. And that's the whole thing if people feel stuck in their life or they're not feeling happy Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really just tapping into what who are they meant to be helping what are they meant to be doing and then there's such joy in that. Yes. There's a lot of work in it. Let, let's yes. not, let's be real. That's mm-hmm. a lot of work setting up a nonprofit or a foundation and traveling back and forth to Malawi. But so much more gratification That's and right. joy, right, That's in right. seeing the results mm-hmm. than the work. 
That's right? right. I wake up every morning with a smile. And even if it's a bad day, I mean, I do have ups and downs. Even yep, school, that's just this, being human. This yeah. morning I was emailing because we have a, a problem with a young student who didn't attend school for a couple of days oh. and she disappeared. And oh I'm like, okay, but we know where she is. She's right. with her boyfriend. And I right. take action on that. And, and the school is uh, on top of it. Yeah. And, and I'm worried because for every child that is in that school, I feel like a parent. Yeah. to them. Oh, that's so uh, I'm like one of those crazy moms <laughs> before the examinations come out. Yeah. I can't sleep. I'm like, oh, what are the results <laughs> going to be like? Because it's uh, government right. examinations. And and so it's... And they it's, usually all pass and... They pass. Oh, we, one, that's great. All but one failed their high school exams to go to college. Wow, that's and an amazing record. And we take them record. all the way through college. Yeah. Every one of them, we take them all the way through college. That's so great. They're graduating, they're going to college, they're finding qualified employment in Malawi. And the beauty of it is that they're coming back and taking care of their families. And they come back to the school. A lot of times they'll bring me little gifts. I'm like, keep the gifts. Aww. They're like, mom, mom. Very appreciative. But these are the kids who are going to go out into the world and and make a difference and change. And, it, and this is the one thing that the public should know that it doesn't mean because you're an orphan in your coming from an underprivileged background and you are poor, that you are imperfect. These children have surprised me to the fullest of their abilities. I and, believe and by by educating them and feeding them and helping them, it makes them productive people of society who can then give back to the yes. world and make their own difference. Yes. That's the beautiful cycle of it all. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. We do have to wrap up. I am so grateful to have you on today and grateful Thank for you. all the work that you're doing. Thank you so, so much. So happy. I know we were meant to connect. <laughs> And uh, just keep making such an incredible difference in the world with Jacaranda Foundation. I hope people will look it up and reach out as well. Thank you, and Catherine. Thank you for you. having me. You're welcome. This is really fun. Keep it and up, girl. Great meeting you because I know there's yeah. a lot of people out there who you're an icon. Oh, thank you. Well, back at you. Thank you. Well, we will be back next week with more incredible women. And please look up both the Teen Line and the Jacaranda Foundation. Make it a great week. Hugs and happiness. Mm